I'd like us to consider for a few moments this evening Daniel chapter 4, verse 35. Nebuchadnezzar is the one speaking of the tremendous realization that has dawned upon him that in his pride he has been so struck down and has had to come to grips with the idea that everything in his life is not as the fruit and result of his greatness and his efforts and his skill and his abilities, but is so because God has made it so, has allowed it to be so has willed it so. And he says here, after his understanding has returned to him, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? Thinking particularly about that phrase, none can stay his hand. I'd like to speak to you this evening just for a few moments about the irresistibility of God. That God is irresistible. None can stay his hand. Now that is a great subject. And perhaps after I finish this evening you'll have more questions then I will provide you with answers. But that's not a bad thing. Perhaps you can then search out and find the answers to those questions, but in the limited time that I have, I want to do three things. First of all, I want to give you the explanation of the irresistibility of God. What do we mean by that? Secondly, the extent of the irresistibility of God. How far does that reach To what extent is God irresistible? And thirdly, the encouragement, and we will make a very brief point of application right at the end to try and encourage us all in our faith. First of all, the explanation. What do we mean when we say that the Almighty God, the God of heaven and of earth, the God of all creation, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of the Bible, the God of the Christian, is irresistible. What do we mean by that? Well, as the word implies, it means that no force nor power can come up against God and prevent Him from doing what he intends to do. No force nor power can come against God and prevent him, we have light, wonderful, can prevent him from doing what he intends to do, from working out his pleasure. Nobody can stay his hand. You may as well, as one theologian put it, go and uh, go to the seaside and stand at the seashore and try to prevent the tide from coming in. But it will still come in. Whether you shout at it or rant at it or hate it or try and put a big barrier up against it, that tide is coming in. 
And even though that is not a fair comparison, it is a helpful illustration that there is no force and no power whatsoever among men or in the earth or in the, among all things that can resist the will and the uh, work or the purpose of Almighty God. Nothing whatsoever. When we determine something, to do something, we do that, we have a purpose, we have an intention, I'm determined to do this. We do that constrained by many limitations. We are limited by our own abilities, resources, by time, money, subject to all kinds of other events, the things that we can't control, like the weather, or some tragedy happens, we have to change our plans. Some illness befalls us, everything has to change. When we determine to do something, there are all sorts of reasons why it might not get done. Perhaps the chief one of which is our own weakness. We might have the uh, great motivation and perhaps do a thing for a limited period of time, but then give up or the inclination changes or goes. But you see, the great truth of the Bible is that there is no limitation upon God. His power isn't limited. He isn't constrained by time. He isn't weak. He is the Almighty. And since there are no limitations upon God, Therefore, what he determines to do shall be done. He shall accomplish whatever purpose he sets about to accomplish. The irresistibility of God is quite simply, therefore, the statement, uh, the, the, the great truth, that not only does our God have a will and design, but that that will and design has been, is being, and shall be done. God's will has been done. God's will is being done. God's will shall be done. And nothing you do or say can change it. God is irresistible. He is almighty. He possesses all might. The second truth that I want to speak to you about this great subject of the irresistibility of God this evening is not just to think about its nature, well, how do we understand that, but its extent. And there are two divisions in this text that Nebuchadnezzar comes to realize. The first, we might say, is the most obvious, and the second, the least obvious. The first is that he says, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will, here's the first one, in the army of heaven. He doeth according to his will in the army of heaven. It is logical that in the supernatural world, all things are subject unto his will. And he does whatsoever he pleases. 
That is true of all of the angels of light. They do his bidding. They submit to him. They fulfill every command and every purpose that he designs and gives to them. But yet here's a remarkable truth. It is equally true for all of the angels of darkness. Every devil bows the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. We see this when he comes. In Matthew chapter 8, Jesus steps off the boat after that dreadful storm at night that he calms with a word. And he steps off the boat to the land of Gadara. And there are two men possessed by a devil. One seems to be more prominent in Mark's account than another, but there's two men. And the, the, the devils tremble. And it says they worshipped him. And they said to him, Thou Son of God, what have we to do with you? Have you come to judge us before our time? And they, the, the Lord commanded them to come out of the man, asked them his name. We are legion, for we are many. Come out of him. And they had to ask Jesus, the Son of God, permission to go and possess some pigs. Because everything is subject to him. There is no force, nor might, nor power in heaven or in hell beneath that can resist the Almighty God. The disciples went out in Jesus' name and marveled. Even the devils are subject to us. Why? Because God is irresistible. Irresistible. This is not only true in the supernatural, it is true in the natural. Nebuchadnezzar says, all the inhabitants of the earth are as putrid as nothing. He doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the world, the earth. Now this is true of all that is physical. We remind ourselves that in Genesis chapter 1, there is nothing. Well, that's no obstacle to God. The lack of the existence of material and matter. If God says, let there be light, there is light. And then God commands all the powers and forces of nature to both create and to do his will. He tells the, the waters to recede and the dry land to appear, and it does. And he tells the earth to bring forth abundantly, and it does. In the same way that I just mentioned, that Jesus says to the, to the great storm, Peace be still! And it is. Because in the natural realm, God is irresistible. So, a sea can part and stand up on a heap. No problem. Because God is irresistible. God created the laws of nature and he can break the laws of nature. That's what a miracle is. It's when God chooses to exercise his authority and power over the laws that he has established in which this world usually operates. He performs a miracle. And he can 
make iron to swim, or he can make the dead to live. He can do whatsoever he wills. All things are possible with him. Nothing shall be called impossible, for if it was, he would be less than God. But as God, all the natural must obey him. But what about when it comes to men whom he has given a will? He has created us with above the creatures in his own image. What then are we to understand for there is the will of man but there is also the will of God? Well, even Though there is the will of man, God's plans and purposes are still totally irresistible. A great example is in the story of Joseph. His brothers hated him, sold him as a slave. The evil mistress that he has seeks to seduce him and then lies about him, has him thrown into prison. And there in prison, he is forgotten about by the butler. But you see, God's purposes are irresistible. And as the Lord raises him up to be second only to the king, to have authority over all of the land, and to create its wealth in that time of plenty for the seven years of famine, as his brothers, you know the story, his brothers eventually come to him who had despised him and rejected him and sold him. And they bow down the knee and they ask for grain. And he reveals who he is ultimately. He reveals, I am Joseph, your brother. And they fear exceedingly. And he says these incredible words. You meant. You meant. You intended. Your will was this. God's will was different. You meant it for evil. God meant it for good. There is always a higher will than yours and mine at work. There is always a secret, unrevealed and unknown, yes, but yet an irresistible power of God working among men. We see this in the story of Esther. How there's this great plot against the Jews to destroy them. And in uh, unknown to the king, unknown to the evil and wicked Haman, who plots and hates Mordecai, sees a Jew, he won't bow down to Haman and makes this plot, deceives the king into signing this decree against the, the Jews. Unknown to everyone, there is a queen who is favoured by the king, who is a Jew, a Jewess, in which God gives her the courage and the boldness to risk her own life, to go and plead for her people. And ultimately, the end of that story, Haman is hung on his own gallows because God 
is irresistible in the kingdom of men. And there's been many a Haman who has sought to resist God who's been hung on his own gallows. You can oppose God or cooperate with God, submit to God or argue with God. Whatever you do, God is irresistible. You can, like Joseph's brothers, intend great evil, or like Haman, intend great harm, but God is irresistible. And his purposes shall come to pass. His will shall be done in heaven as it is, or in the earth as it is in heaven. His, his, his will must be done. He is sovereign. He is over all things. Nebuchadnezzar had to come to this realization that even though he'd had a lot of planning meetings and appointed deputies and princes and captains and sent out armies and uh, appointed architects to build his palace and gathered gold and silver and jewels and he'd done all these great things, he had to come to the realization that he would not even have breath if, if it were not that God willed it. He wouldn't even be alive. And you see, you wouldn't be alive either. You wouldn't be here tonight except God wills it. God has a purpose, a reason, an intention, a will. And it's always been carried out. People see God's justice and judgments in the earth. And because they resist and oppose the notion and the belief of God, they call it other things. And they say, oh, well, there's karma. And what goes around comes around. So we better be careful. But the truth is that what they are seeing is the incontrovertible purpose of God to do his people good. That good will always triumph over evil. Why? Because God's irresistible. And evil will never win. Even so, our Queen appeared on the radio at the time of the Second World War. And she says, whether you are of uh, uh, no, uh, um, the Christian faith or none God will always triumph over evil we shall win and even though we were a tiny nation we did win why? because we get everything right? certainly not but because God has a purpose and how many times do we see that? How little things destroy big things. Because God is in it. How a David can overcome a Goliath. Because God is in it. You see, God has a purpose. It is being carried out. And the extent of that purpose is despite all the works of the devil 
all of his schemes and devices, all of the machinations of man, all that they plot, all that they intend, whether it be for good or evil, despite all powers and all forces and all the efforts and all the endeavors of the best or the worst of men. God's will will be done. He's sovereign. He's overall. He's irresistible. The Bible affirms this in every place. The Lord says in Isaiah chapter 43, I will work, and who shall let it? Meaning, in old-fashioned English, who shall hinder that? Who's going to stop me? I think you are. So remember in your lives that you have an intention, you have a purpose, you have thoughts, you have questions, you have queries, you have your perception of things. But the extent of God's irresistibility is all-encompassing. And right now, tonight, in the earth, whatever's going on in my life, whatever's going on in your life, whatever has brought me to this moment, whatever has brought you to this moment, whatever things God's will has denied, and whatever things God's will has permitted, God is irresistible, and he's carrying out his purpose. So, the extent of it. Let me move finally to the encouragement of this great truth. First of all, let me say that isn't it wonderful that God's purposes and God's will are good? It's the good purpose of his will that he's accomplishing. He works all things together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose. It is undeniably true that some things in the Christian's life are a mystery. Some things are going to be painful, difficult, hard. Some things are going to be grievous, troubling. They're going to try and test your faith. But the truth is, if God be irresistible, unfrustratable, all things are his will. And all things are good. There was a certain king, and he had a favorite servant who he would take out with him hunting. This servant was a Christian man, and he had a saying. And his saying was, this is good. And what, whatever happened, they went out hunting and they'd hoped for fine weather, but it was raining, and he said, this is good. He'd fall off his horse, this is good. Well, they went out one day, and there was a hunting accident. The servant had misloaded the musket, and a deer, a stag, had come along, and he'd handed it to the king, and the king had lifted it up and took his shot, but the, 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 the uh, gunpowder exploded, and it blew off the king's thumb. And the servant quickly ran over and bandaged it up and looked him in the eye and said, 
This is good. Well, the king was so angry. He banished him to the dungeon. After some months, his thumb being now healed, he went out hunting again. But he went into a part of the forest that he shouldn't have gone, and he was captured by some cannibals who, after binding him over a spit and gathering twigs and logs for the fire, and preparing to roast him alive, one cannibal spotted his missing thumb. There were screams and shouts all through the camp. Quickly they cut him down and chased him away as he was to discover that they had a superstition that they would never eat anyone that wasn't whole. And he looked at his missing thumb and he said, This is good. Be encouraged tonight. The irresistible purpose of God is doing something good for you and in you. That's not always easy. In fact, one might say sometimes that is incredibly hard. But whether you submit to it or you trust God in it, God's still going to do it. I encourage you tonight, if you want to have peace in your circumstances, whatever they are, hard though they may be, painful, grievous, bow your knee like Nebuchadnezzar did and say, I worship the King of Heaven. He does whatsoever he pleases. In the Kingdom of Heaven above, and in all of the earth beneath, I bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God is irresistible. Irresistible. And who can say to him, what are you doing? In Isaiah and in Romans chapter 9, the same illustration is pulled together uh, two separate truths, but nonetheless the same illustration. It's like the clay saying to the potter, what do you think you're making? Or in Isaiah it says, you have no hands, which is a Hebrew form of saying, you haven't got the skill to make, make something. And there's many a, a man, woman, and maybe even child, and they live as if they're saying to God, you haven't got the skill, you don't know what you're doing. Why have you allowed this? If you were really there, you'd have prevented this. But you see, how can the clay say to the potter, what are you making? If God chooses to make a vessel unto honour, or a vessel unto dishonour. So in other words, in the ancient homes, there were different pots and jugs and plates and bowls and they were all used for various different things. And if the potter threw a bit of clay onto the, onto the wheel and started spinning and decided, I'm making a plate. 
And the clay said, I want to be a jug. Don't, don't think to yourself, in your circumstances, your life, with your situation, your family, your job, your husband or wife, children, your home, whatever you have or whatever you haven't. Don't think to yourself, you know, I really wish I could be a plate if God's made you a jug. Or I wish I, I could be a bowl if God's made you a plate. He's the potter. We're the clay. And he can do with us whatsoever he will. The wonderful truth is that God is good. God is good. But he is also irresistible. So submit to him. Don't argue with him. Trust him. Cooperate with him too. You see, God's working out his purposes and he designs to use us. Vessels meet for the master's use. He, he intends to work out his purposes through Esther. But unless Esther cooperates with him, those purposes will not be worked out. God will do those purposes, but use someone else. So the Bible is ever calling us to cooperate with him. It's why we evangelize. It's why we witness. It's why we seek to call the lost to Jesus. Because we know God works through us. We haven't got the power or the wisdom or the intelligence or the strength or the ability to wake people up from the dead, have we? To make them alive? But rather like the, the sower that goes out with a good seed, we just scatter, all we can do is just scatter it on the ground. We can't make it grow. But why do we labor then? Why do we serve? Why do we love? Reach out with kindness. Because we desire to be the hands of God. We desire to cooperate with him. To do his will. To be vessels that are meant for the master's use. As Paul says in Corinthians, that God who shined in the darkness has also shined light in the darkness at the creation. He has also shined light in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Which is earthen vessels? But God works through us. Submit to him. Trust him. Cooperate with him. He that is faithful in a little, the Lord says will be faithful in much. So be faithful in your little. But bow the knee to him. I know, and I dare say, it isn't too much of a presumption, particularly for the older folks here tonight, to say, you know too, life isn't always easy. Sometimes it's jolly hard. But I know this, God is always 
good.